Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Brendan Burns Show. Joining me today is Michelle Lewis of Visibility Vixen. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so excited to be here chatting with you today. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So uh, before we dive in and ask you your story, where are you actually based right now? I am in Burbank, California. So I'm in Los Angeles in the crazy heat and the random humidity that's never been here before, but has decided to descend this summer. It's been fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm here live in New York City. And why don't we just dive in and tell me your background, your story, where you're from and how you got from there to Visibility Vixen. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. I am so excited that you're here today. I am such a big fan of Brendan's and it's so awesome to be here. Uh, My name is Michelle Lewis. I'm the founder of Visibility Vixen. I help uh, established entrepreneurs skyrocket their online visibility, establish their unique show strategy and start landing press for their brand. So the way that I got into that is that I actually have a background in Hollywood and I have it in both like the glamorous side, following my dad around on huge movies like Mission Impossible two and paycheck and then the non-glamorous side where I was a stand-in for like 10 years on shows like Pretty Little Liars and Chuck. So I've seen Hollywood at all angles. Um, I absolutely love and adore it. There's no place better than a film set but for me I really needed something that I could have a bigger impact doing. So that's why I started on the road to entrepreneurship and I absolutely love being able to show people how to get seen more online but doing it with more Hollywood style tactics. Very cool. So how did you sort of make this transition from working in sounds like a variety of different roles in the Hollywood scene to now helping other people grow their business, their brand, their press and so on? I did it in the most non-elegant way possible. (laughs) I I literally ended a TV show and I went, you know what, I'm not going back. And I started with writing an ebook. I did my first e-course because I actually have a background in like natural medicine and I had helped myself get through um, a like where my organs were really struggling and I was on bed rest for a couple years. And uh, through the degree I got, I was able to heal myself. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to be a life coach, right? Aren't we all? And so then I started with an online course, very messy through WordPress, tons of technology snafus. And over that year of self-discovery, finally realized like the Hollywood background and the entrepreneur future don't have to be like mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? I could put them together to create something different in the online space. That's how everything got started. Wow. That's so cool. If you're open to sharing, I've gone through health issues. A lot of people have gone through different things in their past. I'd love to hear sort of the extent to which you're open about what happened and maybe what you learned through that process. Totally. Yeah. Full transparency. I was born with highline membrane disease, which means that you don't have the enzyme called surfactin in order to exhale. So I made it through that, but it meant that I became immune compromised growing up. I would get bronchitis really easy, pneumonia really easy. Like I had to carry the breathing machine to summer camp and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I was on antibiotics a lot and now they know to not have you on antibiotics so much, but for me, it was cycle after cycle, pretty much for probably 10 years straight. Um, So that causes your organs to really back up. So then things started shutting down for me when I was uh, at the later end of college. Mm -hmm. Um, And there just wasn't really a lot that people could do, unfortunately. And so I had to look for 
other answers, which I did. And I found a wonderful person who studied something called raphology, uh, which is kind of indigenous, uh, kind of uses some of Chinese medicine too, but it pretty much figures out what the different hormone producing glands of your body, what specific herbs help those heal and rejuvenate. Um, it's really fascinating. And so I went all in with that and it took me, you know, two years, but it, I have a clean bill of health. So I'm very grateful. Wow, that's amazing. I'm really sorry to hear about that. But usually when we go, at least in my life and people I work with, you see that these very traumatic or scary events can actually make us stronger or better. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like what kind of mentality, mindset, resiliency did you have to get through that process? And, and what do you have now? What do you know now about yourself, about life getting to that other side? I think that's an amazing question. I think we've all gone through very painful things. And I think that if we, especially for entrepreneurs, like entrepreneurship, there are times where it can be freaking painful, right? And I think what differentiates the people that keep going is that tenacity in their background that had to be built. Right. Um, so for me, you know, of course, there were days I wanted to quit. I was very blessed to have a family that would not let me. Um, and just day after day, it was having to work on that mentality and get up. And even though I could hardly walk into the kitchen, that would be my goal for the day. You know, that small incremental goal until one day I could go outside and put my feet in the grass. And the next day, maybe walk down the driveway, uh, little by little things improved. And I think that that really taught me the long game. And I think a lot of people like my husband, for example, he grew up just like healthy, happy, wonderful. So with obstacles, he's had to learn this skill now in his later 20s where for me it's like it's no big deal right? right so I think that that really develops a powerful mentality especially if you're looking to create your own um, voice in the online space because you're totally used to that long haul so I think it's actually been a great asset for me and I'm sure for you with what you've dealt with yeah absolutely in my past a lot of my listeners know about my family and there was abuse and trauma there mm -hmm. and just sort of building really like putting it in denial for years just in my own personal story but then working through it over the past five six years and getting to this other side where now if like in my online course doesn't work or if my email bounces or something happens i have that perspective and, mm -hmm. and move forward so with someone like your husband or with maybe a potential client who had you know a, an upbringing that was maybe a little bit less tumultuous or there were less triggers or whatnot how do you coach someone through that process or what would you say to someone who's like kind of used to getting it their way? They then launch their own business and they're not getting clients on the first month or they were and then someone shuts them down or they get a report. Like, how do you build that in someone and coach them through that process? That's the challenge, isn't it? I think the first thing I say is, oh, I guess the lesson's coming now for you. And the nice thing is like, I'm here to support you through it, but I can't go through it for you. So that's the thing. We are cheerleaders. We are there to, you know, support as much as we can, but we can't actually walk it through with them. And I know when I first started out, especially, and was having those failures, you're really looking in the online space for someone to save you, for someone to figure it all out for you, for someone to literally give you that down downloadable PDF and yeah. physically be there and build your business for you. Yeah. So I totally get that mentality. And I think the best thing that I do specifically in terms of visibility, because it can be a very overused word, is um, you have to get down to the mission. And in order to figure out why you were put here on this planet and what you're meant to achieve, you have to remove, like you were talking about with your past, 
all those layers that were designed to keep you from figuring out what that was. And once you really hone in on that big why and why you were specifically put here and why entrepreneurship is the path for you because it's not the easiest one, then it becomes such a different perspective than having a reaction to a bounced email or, you know, having someone troll you online or whatever. That stuff becomes ridiculously silly because you're so focused on being that forward moving train. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, and now I would, I'd love to just sort of talk about online business and, and visibility and sort of yeah. how, would you, how would you define online business and visibility? Like what does that mean to you and maybe people you work with? Well, I think that, like I said, you know, when I came out with Visibility Vixen in 2016, it was not like visibility wasn't a huge word. And it has since like spread like wildfire and everything is about visibility. And people are like, what does that even mean anymore? So I think for me, it's specifically, how are you going to develop your brand in a unique way? How are you going to get your message out there? Because that's what it's all about. And specifically now that I've transitioned to also working on the publicity side of things, um, it's been very interesting to understand from a publisher's point of view what needs to be in place online to then get that feature. So I think it's all about getting you on that uphill slope where you can go from brand to video to live streaming to getting seen more with podcast guesting and summits to eventually be able to get those features in like Huffington Post or Medium or what have you. So that's kind of what it means to me. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And I'm really curious sort of what you think or what what you see when you're working with someone in terms of trying to get more visibility, how much of it is, you know, they're not using the right tools, they're not doing Facebook Live, Instagram Live or whatever, versus they're doing all these things, but maybe their messaging is off or they're afraid to be authentic. And I'm curious kind of on both of those sides, like the tech and the specific strategy, as well as like the messaging and sort of strategic, how do I grow visibility like in an authentic way? what you see in terms of common mistakes and kind of what you share with people. So everyone strap in. This is going to be a two hour podcast. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, there's, it's, I'm going to try to answer that in the best way that I can. And I think the biggest mistake that I see is people not taking their visibility in stages. So when they're still in, I think there's four stages. I think there's the audition stage, the guest star stage, the leading role stage, and the celebrity stage. So if you're first starting out, there's more like strategic things you need to do with developing your messaging, your systems. And some people, when they're in that stage, are immediately jumping into video and live streaming. And it's like, you're not ready for that. We have to build and make sure like for example your brand colors what do they say intentionally to your audience and they're like I have no clue so I think that those are the common mistakes that I see is trying to bite off way too much at once instead of really building things strategically and then I think the second thing that I see is not being um extremely specific with how you can help someone like for example coming on a podcast or a summit intentionally teach something very actionable and strategic. People haven't really zoned in, okay, these are my business pillars. And so these are the exact things that I can have you walk away with as a listener or a viewer. So that can then make videos and live streams and guesting a little bit confusing and not have people that are wanting to opt into your list, wanting to buy from you. Those are probably the two biggest problems that I see. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you cultivate that type of, I would call it patience in some ways 
with someone who calls you and says, Michelle, you know, I want to go live every day. And, or more than that, like I, I work with a lot of people who are just, they want to make money. They're so numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to make 50 grand a month. I want to make a hundred grand a month. I want to make $4 million next year. What's your product? I'm not sure yet. I'll do online courses. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to do? Yep. On? I, I don't know yet. Uh, maybe coaching. Yeah. <laughs> so totally. You, so how do you like keep reality check with your clients? Because I'm sure you want to be able to like promise them that you can deliver them certain things, but at the same time, not oversell and, and keep them, you know, building this foundation for maybe a beautiful mansion rather than just try to throw it all up at once. And then the first hurricane takes it down. Yeah, totally. So I think there's two different things. And the first thing that I want my client to figure out is their biggest why. And that's not just the immediate why of you being able to pay off your debt or support your family. That's actually how is your income going to facilitate change in the world? Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you don't have that goal, then wealth isn't going to be attracted to you in the first place. So that's the number one thing that I want my people to figure out. And then the second thing is what is your personality type? Uh, Because if you're a writer, personality type, you cannot use the same visibility strategies as an actor because people are going to be attracted to you differently. So if people are saying, yeah, I want to make 50 grand a month, it's like, okay, first of all, we have to figure out your big why. We have to figure out what your personality type is because, for example, a writer needs to focus much more on blogging and YouTube videos than an actor who needs to be going live every day because they attract people to them like hotcakes just for their personality. So it really depends. And I think the best thing is clarity and then taking things in third 30 day sprints, focusing on certain tasks just completely for 30 days and then reevaluating and seeing, do I need to keep focusing on those or am I ready to incorporate the next stage to be able to build? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally makes sense. I'm just sort of thinking here, I have all these different questions popping into my head. And one of them is kind of like when, when people come to you and they say, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to have my own business or online business, and maybe they don't have a lot of experience with that yet. Have you ever had to tell someone this isn't for you or I would just want to make sure you understand the risks of this? Because in my life, I've always known that for sure I want to be an entrepreneur. And whenever I start talking to people and they complain to me about their job, because I think there's something like 76% of Americans have like some level of dissatisfaction with their careers. Mm-hmm. I'm always the first to be like, what do you love? And I sit down with my friend who works in finance and he wants to work in basketball and be a GM or a scout. And it's like, I'm always like trying to get people to like go do something. But, but then I've had people that have coached like quit their day jobs and do like some, like there's, there's a guy who's probably listening to this right now. One of my past clients who lives in Bali and he loves it, but it's like, is it always, is this always the path for everyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's hard to say. I mean, first of all, I, I don't think that that would be my business to tell someone that it's absolutely not for them, but it would be my business to say, you know, <clears throat> for example, if you read Think and Grow Rich, there is a mother who's trying to help her son get a job and she puts together like a crazy portfolio, right? Like 60 pages of his skills and resume and all that. And I think if you have the dedication to sit down and do something like that, mm-hmm. then chances are you have that pattern to be able to do something like in the entrepreneur world. I think a lot of people have that pie in the sky dream of making all that money for doing nothing, you know, pretty much. And that can be very confusing. And so I never suggest for someone to like take the full leap and quit their nine to five. No, no, no. Cause it's going to take you probably six months to a year to even figure out who you are in the online space. So I always, you know, I'm not a leap before you look kind of person. I'm a little bit more strategic and I'd like to have a solid foundation. Uh, so my advice is definitely 
figure out who you are, start getting in Facebook groups, start taking online courses, get that foundation to know exactly what you're going to sell and exactly who your audience is going to be. And then you can slowly phase out of whatever life you're living that you're not happy with. Got it. Yeah. And, and we've talked about resiliency and strength and determination and so on. And I'm curious, like the people that you've worked with or even yourself having a lot of success, are there common um, attributes or qualities or even like habits or daily tasks, morning routines that you see across someone who may be an actor, someone who may do this, like totally different avenues of work, but like just getting, building an online business or working with you, what, what do you see in common for these successful people? Well, I don't know if you can read my shirt, but it says work hard and be kind. I think that that covers so many things. Um, I think kindness is one of the best personality traits that someone can have. Um, and I am constantly looking at things in my life and going, okay, when you have that like gut reaction where you just want to get mad about something, I have so learned to just sit on that and go, nope, nope, just let it go and be kind. And I find that it keeps anything from biting me. And I think that that's something that's so valuable because this can be such an emotional industry. In terms of common traits, I would have to say uh, tenacity, diligence, um, inspiration for sure. I think people should be going outside every day, putting their feet in the grass. You can read that book. I think it's called Grounding. And it just talks about all the scientific stuff that happens when you put your feet into the earth. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, I also think mindset is huge. Uh, for anyone listening, if you haven't heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza, I highly recommend getting his books. Have you heard of him, Brenda? You're shaking yeah. your head. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, I'm his number one spokesperson that doesn't get paid and it's worth it. Um, Visibility. Yeah, right? I absolutely adore him. And he has been so instrumental with helping me change my mindset. Um, so I think that every day, it's really important to have that time for yourself, have that white space, get, getting your thoughts together, spend some time in uh, meditation so that you can get your brain in alpha state. That's something that I really recognize amongst other people, um, collaborators and friends. And for sure, I think just finding whatever is unique about your past to put into your trainings, because that's the gift that you can specifically give your audience that no one else can. Mm. Good question here that you just led me right into. Oh boy. Leading the witness right now. So, <laughs> so everybody, you know, like the billion dollar question is like, what's my niche? And you see people who kind of come at it from the standpoint of, I want freedom. I want to be able to travel and work remotely and I want to make a lot of money. And, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? And then it's like, I don't know yet. I feel like people know more than me about this, or I feel like I'm not an expert in anything. How do you, I mean, there's obviously like slam dunks of like the yoga instructor with the 10,000 person following. It's like, okay, we know your niche right mm -hmm. off the bat. But when you're working with someone who may not understand what industry topic niche they're going to go towards, what's your approach there? That's an interesting one, isn't it? I think even for me, I, you know, I started as a life coach and then I moved into being, uh, you know, kind of like a video coach and then finally found my specific thing. So I think it does take time, but my biggest advice would be just if you're writing it out on a sheet of paper, who your target audience is, let's say, really keep going. And what I mean by that is like, I was talking to someone the other day who's a health coach and I'm like, okay, Who's your clientele? Okay, it's women. Okay, well, what specifically in your past have you accomplished health-wise? Well, I've learned how to manage, control, and live happily with celiac disease. Yeah. I went, 
then that's what you should be talking about because that's what's unique about your past that you can bring into the health industry that a lot of people can't, where you can help coach other women how to live, cope, and then, you know, turn their life around dealing with celiac disease. So I think that if you can kind of put together that formula, it makes it a lot easier to figure out what your niche is because if you are too general, you'll find that it's really hard to land your audience because it isn't attractive. So I think really figuring it out and doing the work and then having your branding colors align with that can be so powerful because our goal is to be that lighthouse that's constantly shining that light, attracting our customers. And that does come through putting a lot of thought into what your niche specifically is going to be, but it's doable. Yeah, totally doable. It's, it's funny you say that, how kind of you evolved. And one thing that I taught when I'm working with people, I say the same thing, like it takes time. And in some cases it's people kind of know what their niche is deep down, but they're afraid to sort of share it out with the world. Like for sure, in my case, I'm really passionate about personal development. And mm-hmm. just by being authentic to that, I wrote a really long blog post that has gotten a lot of positive feedback with my favorite books, which is where I think we connected. Totally. <laughs> and like when I first got started with my own online business, I was teaching people Instagram because I saw there were all these social media online courses, but there wasn't a good one for Instagram. I had a big Insta account. So I was like, oh, I just kind of went to where I thought money would be. And I like, what do people want rather than like, what am I passionate about? And I, mm-hmm. I really like what you say about like, what have you accomplished in your life? Like talking to people, like what, what have you done? Like what, where have you grown or transformed? How can you share that with the world? Absolutely. It's so important. And I think it makes us happier. You know, it makes us happier. It keeps us inspired to keep talking to our audience because otherwise you'll notice yourself starting to pull back slowly, but surely. And it's because you don't love what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. So I'd love to talk about press and PR. Uh, sure. Very selfishly because I'm hitting a stage now where I'm starting to think about PR for myself and I that's mm-hmm. come up on a hundred K on Instagram. So my team now wants me to get the little blue verification check and heck yeah i've done a couple of calls with instagram and, and the agencies and it's like they say you know they want you to have four to five press articles and then i've also spoken to people i'm advising some of my clients i'm getting wikipedia pages set up and same thing i want a wiki page and again it comes down to that press mm-hmm. so i've had a couple of calls recently with like a guy i went to cornell with and some other pr people but this is like perfect. Like you sound like, yeah, quite the I'm here. <laughs> so, I mean, I have so many questions, but just from the top kind of, what do you tell people in terms of building up a, a PR presence and establishing that? Absolutely. Well, I'm actually, I co-wrote a book with my publicist, Kristen Marquet. So I'll send that to you as soon as it's out. It's out in like two weeks Um, because that really helps walk you through all the basics, which a lot of those you have in place. So you're really getting to the point of listing the publications you want to be featured in and then figuring out who to contact at each feature, what kind of editor you're going to be approaching, and then really crafting not only your pitch, but your subject line and figuring out um, how to really shine in terms of your, I hate to nail on it again, but your unique background um, to be able to land these features and stand out. So for me, I started knowing nothing. Uh, Kristen and I connected and she's taught me so much over the past two years and she helped me leverage my brand in the publicity space because of the Hollywood background. That's what was unique about me. And so that's what did get the attention of some places like Huffington Post and Medium and that kind of stuff. So I think for you, really digging into 
what makes you unique and the kind of, you know, influencer that you're becoming, especially will be really powerful. And especially if you can write a couple of, um, like one page articles about, you know, establishing yourself as a thought leader and whatever you're passionate about, that's the kind of stuff that they'll pick up really easily. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really well said. One thing that I've noticed just in the past week or two doing some of these calls is I have this story, which is like now kind of commonplace of like, I used to work on Wall Street and now I'm on Instagram and traveling and getting paid. But that story has run many times. And Mm -hmm. what I'm now realizing is like, I have some wild stuff from my past with like my family and my stepfather and more like leveraging that and, and being true to my story about I had this trauma and then I overcame it through personal development and I now inspire others also with like leveraging social media for a good cause to teach these messages. I've just noticed like the authenticity is going to be a lot more powerful for me. And now the people that I work with, I want to encourage them to do the same thing. So that's really, really powerful. And then absolutely, you mentioned, so you recommend people kind of do like their own outreach and like, like build those relationships themselves. I think that in terms of if you're kind of running your own business and you're bootstrapping things, you probably don't have another option. Um, So that's what we definitely wanted this book to help people do that, you know, couldn't afford to hire a publicist because that's freaking expensive as we all know. Um, So yes, you can absolutely do it, but you're going to have to work a little bit harder because you haven't established those relationships. So for anyone listening, it's totally doable. Uh, What you need to do is figure out, like I said, the main point of contact for each publication and then you have to start building a relationship. And the best way to do that is to follow them on the social media channels and make a little note in your planner or your Asana to like once a week, oh, I just saw that you came out with this. This was excellent, blah, 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 especially on like Twitter and Instagram. That's kind of the biggest places to do that. And then as you build that relationship, then you can lead into your pitch and then, you know, wait a week or two between the follow-ups and stuff. You don't want to be hammering people. But if you do set this up as your routine, it's just like growing your business in terms of, okay, I have to implement these systems. Publicity is a system too. So it's the same thing pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I want to get back to that in a minute, just sort of that process. Cause I think that could be really helpful for people to understand in more detail. Sure. Yeah. Where do you see like press fitting in, in terms of someone, especially with an online business? Because for example, I have a guy that I went to college with who is like a he's really strong on the PR front. He's got he works for startups, runs marketing, gets them into the New York Times and so on. And like he was telling me a while ago, you know, this is how to do it. You should start doing this now. And I was like, nah, I'm making a lot of money. And it's like not my focus right now. And obviously, if I had even just set up some kind of like auto comment on Instagram or had a list of 10 contributing editors at HuffPost, Entrepreneur, Forbes, whatever, just to like, you know, spread that out and not be like, hit them with four emails, like, hey, I need my article. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) I guess question number one is like, how important or sort of where does this fit into the life cycle? And then two, Mm -hmm. like, do you recommend starting early? And if so, how? Yeah. So, you know, I think that if I could go back and do it all again, I would definitely wait to implement a publicity strategy until I was in like the leading role stage, which is the third stage of business. You definitely want to be at the point where you are having recurring revenue and you have the backup, you know, in terms of your followers and stuff to get the attention or get the validation when an editor is looking at you. So I think that that's really important that you don't spread yourself too thin because a lot of people think 
that advertising and publicity are the same thing and they're not. Um, one is, you know, paying for something in order to make a sale. The other publicity is to establish yourself as a thought leader and as an influencer in the online space. So even if you get a feature in the Huffington Post, that is not going to necessarily generate traffic for you. So this is much more about becoming well known. So for the people listening, when you're ready for that stage, it's probably going to be when you're in stage three or four. And that's when you can start implementing these strategies. So it's nothing to panic about, especially if you're first starting. And I can't tell you how many people who are like, I established a business last week. I'm ready to submit. I'm like, no, you're not, but I'm sending you lots of love. Let's wait a little while. Right. Yeah, get that cover spread in the Washington Post. The, yeah, the, it's like, okay, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> no, it's really funny and like kind of hopefully in sync with like the way I was thinking about things, which was like one, I didn't really have my niche totally nailed down yet. So to go get press at that point would have been saying that I'm like an Instagram coach and like obviously mm -hmm. it's part of what I do and it's, there's a ton of demand there. So I do have clients that I work with on growing their Instagrams, but that's not all I do. It's not the heart of who I am. And like, so, so it's interesting that you say that because yeah, advertising and creating profitable funnels to generate customers and cash is very different from like playing this game of like building your brand, which can be powerful, but not always necessarily translate into direct income right away. Absolutely. And you kind of need to dip your toe in and that's, you know, that starts through podcast guesting. Then you start growing into teaching on online summits. And these things are also starting to get you more well known in the community and having people notice you and all that kind of stuff. So that when you land a big feature, a big article, a huge interview, you know, you're not falling all over yourself, not knowing what to do or say you've established the strategy and what you know you need from each article. And I think that's, what's really interesting and something I didn't know in the beginning is I would get uh, these, I would be sent these interview questions and I'd answer them all similarly. And now strategically I'll look at, okay, where is this being featured? What's the audience? Okay. What's the main thing that I want new people who come across me to do to take action with. And that's how I structure the article. Those are the parts of the backstory I'll highlight because I have a goal for each article and that's a skill that you develop as you go. Right. Right. You also mentioned something interesting about podcast guesting. And it's funny because you're a guest on my podcast right now. Hey, hey. So you're obviously doing something, right? <laughs> I, I've had people reach out to me in, in a funny different number of fashions to, you know, try to become a guest on my show. And I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you wind up as a guest on other people's podcasts? Like, I'm sure there are people listening right now who want to be featured on other people's podcasts. It's free press. It's good relationship mm -hmm. building. But if you, you can't email them and say, hey, like, I, you know, hey, on your show. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> totally. What's that, what's that process like? Yeah. So we outline this in the book too. And I think this is so vital because this is your bridge from becoming unknown to known. So this is the one that you have to be very, very careful with and strategic with. Right. So for me in terms of, you know, I'm sure you get this too. I get pitches every day to be on my podcast and they are usually, Hey, came across your show. Would love to be on it. Like, let me know and we can set up a date. And it's like, okay, that's not the way to do it. So I think first of all, <laughs> first of all, like what we talked about earlier in this interview, you need to be able to figure out at least, I, I think three is perfect. Three specific topics that you can absolutely 
dominate. So that means that inside of your pitch, you've researched who their audience is. And so the three things that you're giving them are things that they need on their show. So if I'm going to be, I'm not going to go and say, Hey, I can tell you about visibility. That is insanely boring and no one would book that. Instead, I could talk about, you know, like for example, three ways that you can implement into your pitch to nail podcast, you know, pitching or whatever it is. It's a terrible title, but you see what I mean? Being more strategic. So that's a huge part of it. The second part is you want to do your research on the shows that you're submitting to so that you can write a really nice and attractive and complimentary intro paragraph. So if I was going to be pitching for Brendan, I would say like, Hey Brendan, I've been listening to your show for about a year now. My favorite episode is episode. I probably pick one early on that I liked like 13 and that resonated with me because blah, 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 blah. I'd love to be on your show because this is the specific value I think that I could give your audience. And here are the three actionable strategies that I can talk about. Either way, it's thank you so much for hosting your show. I know how much work that is. And just to show you some love, I left you a five-star review on iTunes. That is going to get someone's attention That's versus Vixen email right there. Right. <laughs> I love, instead of, Hey, I'd like to book, you know, let me know when we can set up a time. Yeah. You're really implementing a relationship building strategy. And that's why I said you have to keep it kind. Anything that you can do to go a little bit above and beyond, because as we know, podcast guesting has increased in popularity a hundredfold in the last year. So people are getting many more emails than they used to. Yeah, for sure. It's really interesting, 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 you saying, you like thinking that you would say something along the lines of, if you want to be on someone's podcast, just like start networking with people who have podcasts and become friends with them, and so, which I'm sure can't hurt. But I was going to, I was a little skeptical. I was not expecting you to say, Hey, you can email them and just like make a pitch. And, and you did, but I saw from that format of that email that that's actually really professional and compelling. And if someone messaged me with a me- something like that, which I've never gotten, I'd be, yeah, I mean, assuming it was aligned with what my show is about and my audience and they were legit, I'd for sure very strongly consider that. So Mm -hmm. I just think it is interesting, like for listeners out there, like ask and you shall receive if you ask right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very common misconception that you have to be friends with these people and networking in order to do this. But your goal when you're first pitching is actually not to necessarily book the interview, but for the host of the show to put you in a folder for potential gaps in the future. So that's our main goal. And I know for me, that's what I do. The good pitches that I receive, they go in a folder in case I need to fill a gap or a guest drops out or whatever. So that's the primary goal, which is interesting. And it takes a little bit of the stress out of it. So you're not like, Oh my God, I'm submitting to Brendan. I'm, you know, I'm going to pee my pants. It's like, you know, I'm doing this to be able to serve his audience. If there was ever an opening for me. And I think that has a little bit of a different energy and feels better. Yeah, for sure. Because you also don't have this expectation that they write you back within five minutes and say, yeah, you're booked for tomorrow at noon. You can just say, Hey, like this is a strategic way for me to build this relationship and see what's available over time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. So coming back to the press approach, I feel like there would be similarities in sort of your outreach along the lines of like professionalism, courtesy, and here's the value that I could add to your audience. Is that true? And if so, what's that look like? 
It totally depends on where and who you're pitching to. So if it's someone that, you know, runs their own publication, then you're going to be able to give that a little bit more time and attention. If it's a bigger thing like Huffington Post or you're trying to get, you know, I don't know, in the New Yorker or whatever, then you're trying to capture their attention in a small amount of respective paragraph space so that it doesn't go in the trash can. So that's where more strategy comes in subject line number one, because you have to get across hurdle number one of them opening your email and then a really quick, you know, paragraph pitch with, you know, some attached links so that they can check you out. So it's not as much of a production necessarily as podcast pitching, uh, but it is more strategic. So a lot of work goes into a smaller amount of real estate in your email. Right. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Any uh, any juicy subject line hooks that you, you're willing to share? I don't want to steal your gold, but no, no, I'm sitting here going, you know, Kristen's the pro at this, and she talks about this in the book, so you'll get some of those strategies. But it's very much like you have to make your title very like alluring. So for that, you may have to use your Wall Street background and say like Wall Street turned entrepreneur talks about you know three ways to blah blah blah. So it's much more of like a headline that you'd see in like, you know, a gossip mag or something <laughs> to get the attention so that they actually open the email. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, and then in terms of uh, outreach itself, so you, you sort of like laid out a really helpful process of make the list. These are the people I want to reach out to follow them on social media to sort of like nurture some kind of awareness of, Hey, they know who I am. And then you hit them with an email uh, what does that look like in terms of what kind of percentages should people expect to get hit back? And then question number two is, do you follow up with the double email if no response on step one? I think, you know, a lot of people get discouraged because they send 10, 20, 30 emails and they never hear back. And so they go, I'm, you know, it's over and just, I'm just <laughs> going to go cry in my closet. And it's like, no, you're probably going to be sending hundreds of pitches right. and you're probably going to be, you know, waiting six months between pitches for the same publication and resending one that's maybe a little bit fresher, a little bit different because you just never know what's going to land. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what can feel very discouraging, but it's something you have to keep going with. And you can absolutely send a follow-up email, um, wait at least a week, and you just want to send one. Um, that can be something very easy to do, like, hey, did you get my email? Did you get my email? But remember, it's going to take them just like it takes a customer like seven to 10 times seeing you in order to buy. It's yeah. similar with press. So you just have to be patient. You have to keep cultivating those relationships online. Uh, for example, this one uh, incredible PR woman that uh, I've known for years through Facebook and, you know, had never really pitched to last week pitched for the female disruptor column and got booked. So it, you just, you never know like who you're connected to and how things are going to happen, but you just have to keep trying, keep going. And I think one of the best things to do once you do land your first feature, yay, bravo, well done, um, is you need to promote it. It's just like being on a podcast. There's nothing more frustrating for a host than putting together all this time, energy, and finances to put all that promo stuff together for you and not have you promote the show. So the same is true for a publication. You want to be sure that you, you know, have a really nice little graphic. Like I make a little graphic with a little example of the feature and I link to it and I'll retweet that a bunch just so that they can get credit for doing work for free for me to get my name out there. Right. No, that's smart. You know, once you land what you're looking for, share it with everyone. Don't just sort of 
you know, yeah, I got it. I'm on to the next article. Make sure exactly. Because then if you can push those out there, people will see that and it'll make landing the next one easier. Yeah. And it really establishes your authority. You know, people are looking for that same uh, notoriety, um, but they don't necessarily know how hard it is to get that. But the beauty is once you get that, it becomes easier to get the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah, for sure. So where in your business, if at all, does the sort of monetization side of like teaching people online business fit? Is that something you used to do, you still do in terms of like online advertising, funnels, sales, and so on? I love funnels. I think they're amazing. Big fan of Russell Brunson and all those things. Uh, I have actually recently moved over to Kajabi, which I'm loving right now. Um, you've heard of it, obviously. I see the eyebrows going. Yeah, all in one platform. Yes. So I've been loving that. Um, I've been simplifying because I tended to go crazy with funnels. I had like 52 of them and I was like, Michelle, you got to calm yourself. So 51 is reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I love that whole process. The way that I specifically like to monetize is uh, I have an online course called the visibility vault. So that has, you know, all kind of the beginning steps for system branding, video, live streaming, podcasting. And then what I really love is my membership, which is the visibility lounge. So I'm revamping everything right now, putting in those stages we talked about. And uh, that's the main breadwinner. And that's the thing that, you know, gives me the little I don't know what you want to call it, little butterflies, the thing that I love the most. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a membership site. Yeah. Monthly yeah. membership. Got it. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I used to, I, I mean, I still have this course called mastering Instagram and it mm -hmm. was fun, but what I was noticing was that there was not as much ongoing connection with my students. Yeah. And so I launched something called mastery Academy, which is sort of like business and life coaching. And it's every two weeks we do a live call and I'm sending them gifts in the mail and doing contests and, I love, I love it. Yeah, it's so much fun. So isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I have people who I have real relationships with that I'm continuing to build. The people in the program are building relationships with each other. It's easier. You don't have to worry about advertising constantly because you have that steady base of income that you know is going to stay there. Obviously, yeah. so continue to deliver value for these people. Um, but I, I'd love if you could spend a minute maybe talking about sort of the differences, pros and cons, online course versus membership site. Because I know a lot of people who are looking to get into the online business world, they're not really sure maybe where to start or where to focus on or where to go because those can both be very profitable, but they're also very different. Yeah, they're totally different. I mean, I think for sure up front, a membership is going to be a lot more work. Uh, you know, you're having to manage members and depending on the platform you use, well, that's one of the reasons why I moved over my membership over to Kajabi is because the uh, customer support that I was having to provide for different technical issues and even membership cancellations was way too much. So now they can do it all themselves, which is great. Right. Um, but you know, you're looking at you know, creating either a monthly training or like, you know, bi-monthly calls, like Brendan was saying, um, you're really having to, the easiest thing to do is to populate a membership site with content and then have people come in and be really excited, but they're overwhelmed or they don't feel like they're going through a specific process and so they leave. So yeah. I think that more of an experience has to be created inside of a membership and that community vibe, as you know. And then I think with a course, you're putting, it's like a one and done for lack of a better term kind of format, but it's going to be a little bit more on the back end in terms of getting the funnel in there and putting everything together to sell that probably higher ticket item. Yeah. So it just kind of depends on what resonates with you. But I found that 
people enjoy taking the course, but they are more attracted to the membership format because they like having the continued access to me. Have you found that to be true? Oh, for sure. I mean, one interesting thing also worth noting for listeners who are kind of debating the two, I don't know if you found this to be the case, but when I look at who's in Mastery Academy right now, I think it's like 90% of the people bought Mastering Instagram first. Ooh. So it's almost like the membership could be an upsell from the course. Like an upsell, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) It was like a big reveal to me because also in one sense, and this is like very specific to me, like I'm sort of like, if you look at the comps that like I um, you know want to be and like the people out there who I look at who I'm like oh this is my vision like it's people like Jack Canfield or Tony Robbins or Lewis Howes mm-hmm. and those people are like very like non-niche they're like sort of all over the place and it's mm-hmm. like I want to preserve that and make Mastery Academy very much like I'm here to help you with like personal life business life online so it's like it's, it was way easier for me to build an Instagram funnel and just sell an Instagram course and just by the nature of that, you're generally attracting like higher income people, entrepreneurs who are looking to grow their Instagram accounts for business. And then from there, they have a really good experience. And then I can say, hey, you know, here's the, my new webinar on how to, you know, do the whole online business and plus access to me and so on. So that's been a really powerful thing. One, I love it. Yeah, yeah. One thing I was going to ask, you mentioned this a little bit, is how do you, uh, how do you focus on like membership retention? Because it's obviously more uh, affordable and better business strategy to just retain the existing people you have than constantly try to get new people. Obviously you want to do both. You want to grow it, but you also want to keep people in there. So what have you noticed has been like a great way for the people who are in your membership site to to stay loyal and, and really just like solidify they're having a great experience and they want to continue that. I think that, you know, I've had plenty of failure in this to learn. And for me, I started that wrong way by just having tons of content. And so I am like the person who likes to have my ear up to my computer screen. And so I do check in with my members and I did, especially my first year, a lot to see what they wanted and what they felt was lacking and, you know, make it it's kind of hard because like when I started, it was much lower cost. And I found that that was harder to retain people than when it was higher. And I think it was the level of people, the level of business they were at when they were coming in, that was the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I had to rework a lot. I definitely think that having a custom path is a great thing because people are going to come in and what they want more than anything is results. They want to save themselves from whatever they're struggling with the most in their business or in their life, whatever it may be. So whatever you can do to provide guidance and say like, okay, I'm going to corral you in, start here. And this is the shoot you need to go through to get out on the other side. They're really going to appreciate that instead of just feeling like, okay, you know, yeah, okay. I'm hopping on a call with Michelle and here's all the content, but like, what do I do and where do I go? So I think it's really great to have stages. Um, and then, you know, have a community where you're doing fun stuff every week. And I think what you're doing with having swag and stuff is brilliant too. I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, what if I had like a little shirt or a pen that said that, you know, I'm in the audition stage or whatever, that might be fun. So whatever you can do, that's going to feel the most fun for your specific people that you're attracting. Yeah. You could have some kind of like quiz or something or people share. And it's like, I just graduated step two. And then you send them a shirt that like, you know, I'm yeah, just, you know, something like that. And they feel like they're making progress. Exactly. Whenever someone, yeah. Whenever anyone signs up for my program, Mastery Academy, I send them these mugs, which are so cool. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, like, you know, you learn from this process, like they were shattering and people were like opening up the package and it was in a hundred pieces. And 
And people were like, <laughs> oh no. Let's have fun with this. Like who can glue theirs back together? And you know, I, I really tried to like salvage that. I love it. I think I would have been like, well, obviously the lesson here is that you're going to shatter your fears. Obviously yeah. that's what it was. Like, why are you complaining about this mug? It's a life <laughs> lesson, right? <laughs> yeah, I probably should have said that. Um, <laughs> no, I love the gluing. That's something that I would try to do. So that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> no, but I, everyone who, I mean, I got new mailers. I have, I probably have more bubble wrap and mugs in my apartment than anything else. I have <laughs> one, two, I have like eight boxes of like a hundred mugs each or something. I was pretty ambitious about how many people I wanted. I mean, I'm sort of targeting like 500 and then a thousand people ultimately with this program. Heck yeah. So yeah. I have all these mugs and I have pens, I have t-shirts. One cool thing is, uh, do you know what a pop socket is? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. It's the little things that go on the back of the iPhones. Yeah. Heck so I have, yeah. I have uh, pop sockets and on my last call, I said, uh, I was like, all right, everyone guess my birthday. And everyone went down the list and my birthday is March 10th for future quiz reference. Mm, okay. But, like most people were guessing August and then one woman was like February something. And I was like, close enough. You get the pop socket in the mail. And I love uh, that. You know, totally unrelated, obviously, to the value that I'm truly adding for them. But, but it's so fun. That's the building the raving fans. Like I want to see you do a song parody from Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do or whoever sang that of you being like bubble wrapping mugs. Like I, I see it happening, right? I love it. <laughs> and that's the thing. You have to make it fun. You have to make it fun. That's totally. what keeps people. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, anyway, I've had a blast on here. I, I've personally learned so much. I, I have too. I know my audience is going to just be raving when they hear this. So Good. I really would want to thank you. Before we wrap up with like the, you know, the website and where people can specifically find you, what would you say is kind of like the big takeaway or what's like that one piece of like golden overview advice you would give to people looking to start an online business or grow online visibility? Hmm. It's going to be really deep and I don't mean it to sound like lame or cliche, but I think that the biggest thing that you can do to help yourself, no matter what stage of business you're at, no matter what stage of visibility you're at, really figure out the dirt that's been stacked on top of the diamond of your mission and do everything you can to shovel it away. Because if you do that inner work, you're never going to regret it. And you're going to keep yourself from, I've had people that have generated millions of income doing something and then realizing that that wasn't their purpose and having to switch paths. And that's not what I want for anyone listening because you are definitely here for a reason. And I think we forget that when we're on this path because we're on Facebook and looking at everyone else and what they're doing and just feeling like crap about ourselves. So remember, like at the end of the day, you do have a mission and do everything you can to find what that is. And if that means shutting everything off and putting your blinders on for six months, that's what you have to do. And the reason is there's so many people that need to hear your specific message and what you've learned from your past. So focus on that. It'll do wonders. Absolutely. I, I really love that. Couldn't agree more. So in conclusion, where, what's your website, your Instagram, where can everyone find everything? Well, my Instagram is not nearly as big as yours, Brendan. Um, but I, on everything, it's pretty much Visibility Vixen. Um, if you are interested in the book, you can go to publicityjumpstart.com. Uh, but that's where you can find me. I'd love to hear from you. Be sure to leave a five-star review on this podcast. Let us know how much you loved it. And then tag me and say like, hey, listen to that episode and it was wonderful. Or, oh, you really sucked. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Be great. <laughs> 
Awesome, Michelle. Thank you so much. And please uh, follow up with any links you want me to add to the show notes so the listeners can just do a one click, get to your website, get to the book. Anything Perfect. Else. Will do. Thanks so much, Brendan, for having me. Yep. Thanks again for coming on the show.